0: Today is Wednesday, July 5th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros, an evangelist in an ice prison for a year. We'll have that top story of more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend, email us as well, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We love hearing from you. Whatever thoughts you might have, even if you want to just say hi. Feel free. Quickstart Podcast at CBN.org. Joining me now, as always, to get through the news of the Prey, Billy Hallowell and Trey gons Phillips, the Triumvirate, back together yet again. What's <laughs> up, fellas? Happy Hump It's so day.
1: weird.
0: It's so <laughs> weird being here with you both. I know.
1: But it's good. It's good to all three be back together, yes. you know?
0: Indeed. And uh coming off, a hopefully everybody had a fantastic July fourth celebration. But we got a lot coming up on the podcast, including The leader of an organization aimed at defending Christian values uh, on a mission to target UK buffer zones. That's today's main thing. And what do we have coming up on The Focus, guys?
2: We're going to be talking about China and this pastor who is being persecuted. It's sort of a wild story, but it's on par with what we've seen, unfortunately, happening there.
0: Yeah, I mean, China, It's it's just seems like one thing after the other. I mean, we've talked about the technology that they're using against citizens and Christians there undergoing incredible, incredible persecution, as does... Really, every faith group over there in communist China. So we'll have the details on that. First, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. Danish evangelist Torben Sondergaard has now been in a U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement jail for a full year. He was taken into custody last year on June 30th by Florida agents from the terrorism Task force. He was told he was being arrested for gun smuggling, even though he was never actually charged with that, and then was accused of overstaying his visa. He and his family fled Denmark back in 2019, fearing persecution and arrest following a harassment campaign by the government and the media. He was featured in a documentary called God's Best Children, which he says, and told CBN News, ruined his reputation in Denmark. And he says now as an inmate, he spends around 22 to 23 hours per day inside his cell. And this year's SoCal Harvest Crusade saw thousands give their lives to Christ over the two-night event held at the Honda Center over Last weekend, it was packed with 16,000 people and more than 47,000 viewed it online. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNnews.com. This story here, guys, we've been reporting on was at CBN for some time now of this Danish evangelist. It's kind of crazy because he was sort of targeted back in 2016 uh, he had began something called the Jesus Center, and then it was investigated by government agencies for everything from food safety to unpaid taxes. Even though no wrongdoing was found, they kept on investigating him, and then they started homeschooling him. And the investigations continued again. Eventually, they just decided to flee. And then, when he gets here, you have this these you know charges, and it's just it's incredibly concerning. You know, he is now the longest serving inmate at this facility in Florida. And it's just remarkable when you think of all the types of people that can come in that this evangelist would be the one that holds that distinction.
2: Yeah, it is. These stories, they, they sort of, they defy logic, but they're important for us to, I think, pay attention to, to look at the patterns, to see what is happening, not just here, but, but abroad.
1: Yeah. I think, unfortunately, this is an issue we're going to be facing, uh, more frequently as time goes on. Uh, and I think when these stories come up, it reminds us of just the, the fact that this is an issue that's becoming increasingly prevalent in our uh, in our culture, right? It's uh, We used to think like, well, if you're in the West or whatever, you're kind of protected from any of this kind of stuff happening. Uh, but the reality is, I mean, we saw during COVID in 2020, we talked a lot about this, Canada and New York, even in uh, California with some of the restrictions that they put in place. There's a willingness to restrict people more uh, in the West than there has been in the past.
0: Yeah. And culture here in America is, is starting to view, I mean, Christians used to sort of be in the favored seat, right? You know, being a Christian in this country was sort of, you were in the driver's seat essentially. And that is no longer the case. And you're, and you're seeing not only as the fall from grace, as far as culture is concerned, Christianity happened, but there's also a vitriolic hatred towards Christianity that seems to be rearing up. And you have this, we saw it in the Supreme Court that Billy and I talked about earlier this week, calling it anything that sort of upholds a Christian's right to stick to their values. That is not just something that you say, well, we disagree with. They're calling that bigotry and anti-gay rights and things of that nature. So you're setting up this big battle where the boogeyman in America is Christianity. Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny
2: because, and we, we need to keep doing this and we've said it on the show before. If somebody doesn't agree with Christianity and they're not a Christian, if they're a Muslim or a Jewish person, or they're an atheist, are they automatically anti-Christian bigots? No, they (laughs) hold a perspective that is not Christianity and we can disagree with them. We have our worldview, but I'm not walking around accusing those people of being horrible anti-Christian bigots, unless they behave in a way that would justify that label, yeah. and yet this this weird litmus test is constantly applied to Christians that is not applied to anybody else. And if you start to ask people that, I think it starts to make sense, and they think about it. But you know, we're in this bizarre vortex right now where drag queen story hour is being treated more of an as a normal thing yeah. than Christianity.
0: Well, is. and it's it's sort of this linguistic trick that's happened from secularists who are pushing these sexual agendas is by framing everything as a civil right. This is an intentional tactic done by activists. And sadly, I think it's worked. Because when you label things like this as rights, then now all of a sudden you have this civil rights battle on your hands in the eyes of public at large. And I don't think people bought into that for many, many years. But it seems like in the last couple of years, the switch is flipped.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that's that that's the case. So I think, uh, as I said before, this is something we'll have to keep an eye on. I know it's something that I'm grateful that CBN reports on because, too, the other piece to this is the media doesn't pay a lot of attention to it and the mainstream media will try to gaslight us into thinking, you, you, you see something with your naked eye, like you're watching what's happening or you're seeing the video or you're hearing the story anecdotally of somebody you know having an experience and then the media will tell you that that's not happening, uh, that didn't occur, like there's no way that that's actually ever going to happen, uh, but it actually is happening. So it's important to highlight these stories.
0: Yeah, indeed. Indeed it is. And, and like you said, this is not going to, it's not going to stop. So we're going to keep reporting on it. We've got to keep calling it out. And even if we get dragged in the court and Christians keep getting put on trial, so to speak, um, we've got to keep standing up because if we don't, it's just going to be accepted that that's the way it is. So yeah, um, um, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep reporting on those, as Trey said over at CBN.com, Faithwire.com as well. So all right, we're gonna move over to another persecution story. This is from China. As we mentioned at the top there, China has just been prolific in its persecution of Christians and other minorities in their country. And now they're reportedly persecuting a well-known pastor. What's the story here?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is, it's pretty crazy. The government is fining this pastor and his wife about $55,100 in in U.S. dollars for organizing religious activities. This is according to China Aid. That's a group that monitors human rights abuses um, in China. And June 28th, that's when this ruling came down from Chinese officials. They essentially doubled the fine. So that doubling of the fine, brought it to $55,100, and um, they're going after this particular pastor and his wife. His name is Yang Sibo, and the wife's name is Wang CFA. And they're going after the couple for a variety of reasons. They have tried, by the way, because this has been going on since 2021, the fining of this couple from the Chinese Communist Party. They've tried to fight the fine, uh, but unsuccessfully, they've had all of their appeals apparently rejected. And this, this battle with this particular church, it goes back decades, uh, which is really interesting. This is a house church, and house churches, they are, technically they're illegal. They're, they're unregistered religious bodies. They're not registered with either the Catholic or Protestant denominations in China. So in order to be an official church, you have to be, and, and people may realize this or not, uh, but you have to be registered with the government. So they are not registered with the government. And in 2019, uh, this your real issue with the um, Chinese Communist Party and the church kicked into high gear. They sent police to surround the church. It, this apparently went on for 30 days. Then there were raids on the church. The goal was to break this house church up. It's the largest house church in the area there. Um, and those attempts were were unsuccessful.
0: What is the pastor's defiance um, matter here? I mean, you gave a little bit of background on these house churches. So can you, is there more you can tell us about that particular church and the pastor and, and what they're doing to stand up to this?
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're refusing, they are refusing to back down in general as a house church. They continue to meet even with those raids, in this particular instance with the fine, the pastor and his wife, they are refusing to pay it. <laughs> mm. And that's a very bold thing to do because we know what can happen to you yeah. in China. Uh, they posted on social media saying that they are apparently not going to to pay this fine. And they, they said, thank God for allowing us to have a part in his affliction. And you just, you hear that line and you think, my goodness, you know, these are people who are following their faith to the T they're, they're following it all the way to the unknown because we don't know what could happen. Um, so, so yeah, they're, they're fighting back in that regard. And again, this has been going on for a long time. Uh, pastor Yang Sebo, his uh, father and his aunt were also in charge of the church before they both went to prison for refusing to register the church with the government um, which, by the way, the, the Protestant denomination, we'll call it a denomination, it's China's three-self church. That is what you would have to register with. You'd have to become part of that three-self church. The father and the aunt refused to do that. Again, they went to prison for 15 years, one of them, five years the other. So he's a fourth-generation pastor who, again, is continuing to defend that house church.
0: Mm. And as we mentioned, there are a lot of persecution Issues happening not only around the globe, but China seems to be a hotspot. What else is going on over there uh, right now on the persecution front?
2: You know, we recently talked about this on the show, the fact that we know know that there are reports telling us that the Chinese Communist Party is trying to rewrite the Bible in its own image. Uh, We've been covering that for a couple of years. But most recently, earlier this year, the testing of a new app in one region of China um, at least one region, it's expected to potentially roll out to other areas, demanding that citizens pre-register before attending religious services with this app, with the government. So you're seeing really the the hand of the Chinese Communist Party come down harder and harder on these Christians and churches.
0: That is, that is incredibly concerning. We already saw during COVID China's heavy-handed reaction and when they had a recent well more recent i think it was probably last year or something like that kind of spike in covid numbers they went to those qr codes you remember do you guys remember seeing that video of the people trying to go through like to the mall or something they'd have it basically basically sectioned off you you had to go through you had to funnel the crowds you'd go through like a gate and your qr code had to have a green go pass and if it was red you couldn't go in there and if you didn't have like a an updated test saying that you were covid free and they already abused that because they were protesters and they just found out who was protesting and made all of their QR codes red, uh, red you know, so they couldn't go through and they couldn't travel to these protests. So uh, we, we know very well what the Chinese communist government is capable of doing. So given all that, clearly we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in China who are going, having to go through extreme hoops just to practice their faith.
1: It's incredible what's happening to believers in China to like when I just think about China, they have such a large footprint in culture and society. They make so many of the goods that we all use every single day. You're hard pressed to find anything that if you don't turn it over, it says that it was made in China. So it's a country that we're all beneficiaries of what's happening uh, in China. Like, then uh, we can talk about that being a problem too. But uh, the fact that we're all daily participating and using things that are from China, uh, they're propping up a lot of our economy. And then this is going on. Uh, and a lot of times the governments in the West are kind of silent about it because uh, they know that China is such a huge trade partner. They don't want to upset the apple cart. Uh, so I, it's hard to find the the balance in this tenuous relationship that we have with China. Uh, but this, as believers, we need to be really vigilant about it. And if nothing else, we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters who are facing this kind of persecution.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because you would hope that things like the NBA and other corporate Apple that are doing business with China that hopefully we would be able to use that leverage you see the, those companies pushing right. quote unquote social justice issues here in America well hey how about we use that same leverage of having important businesses that I'm sure are important to their financial well-being as well to use some of that leverage you have to affect human rights issues there in China as well particularly as it as it pertains to Christians being able to, to practice their their faith so I uh, appreciate you bringing that update there on that one. We're going to move over to the main thing now, and the persecution theme continues. We have the leader of an organization that's aimed at defending Christian values. They're on a mission to target these UK buffer zones, which are areas created to prevent protests outside of abortion clinics. Well, Andrea Williams, the chief executive officer of Christian Concern, and joins us for today's main thing.
2: Earlier this year, the UK Parliament rolled out buffer zones around abortion clinics. They passed legislation around this. Where does the law currently stand?
3: Well, they are there. And I think it's very hard for nations in the West, for nations such as America and Great Britain, to imagine really that we've reached this far, apart from we have, So I think that that those that are watching this will think, really, has Great Britain created a space where you are unable to speak quietly, unable even to pray, unable even to walk alongside a woman to explain another way when she's in and around um, an abortion clinic? Well, that's come to pass in the United Kingdom. You know, a nation which has always... Championed free speech, whose laws, whose anchored, absolutely anchored on freedom of speech, freedom of co- freedom of conscience, but also the freedom to protest, and uh, and those 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 laws being interpreted and promoted very broadly. So this is something that has slipped in. It slipped in under another major act, the Public Order Act. of of this year, and it slipped in by way of an amendment. But it's actually one of the things that drives right through or tears up uh, one of our fundamental constitutional principles uh, around freedom to speak, freedom to protest, freedom to assemble.
2: How did this happen? Because these buffer zones, you know, they they were unfolding in a number of cities. I believe there were five cities that had them throughout the UK before this. How did it come to pass that those cities somehow translated into, oh, we need a national law to prevent people? And also help us understand what is the distance around an abortion clinic where those activities can't happen?
3: Well, it's 150 meters. So you're not so essentially. We are, no, no one is allowed to enter the area around an abortion cl- clinic, around 150 meters uh, wide from any direction of that abortion clinic, to speak to anybody that might be going in, to pray, to stand, to exist, li- to literally stand within that arena. They are now protected zones in this country. So I think that. One of the things that's absolutely shocking, and and very clearly is this, is that the ideological motivation of the pro-abortionists within Parliament and the way in which they pushed this through by an amendment to a bill where this was not going to be part of what was actually happening um, was the way in which they did it, just as they have in the last couple of years used every opportunity to weaken the law around abortion. So under the under the pretext of COVID, when we were all being shut down, that was a moment at which the abortion lobby came in and created access to pills by post-abortion without a woman needing to go to a clinic, for instance. So we have seen a very well-organized Abortion lobby, but not just parliamentarians, the civil servants and also the major players in terms of the major, major professional players. So I'm talking about the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the National Council of Midwives. These groups within the United Kingdom have been set upon actually liberalising the law in and around uh, abortion at every point And any pushback, any pushback on this, um, they claim to be a violation. So one of the things that's been extraordinary in and around the clinics is this, that the abortion lobby has said, has created this idea that peaceful campaigners, peaceful Christians, peaceful lovers of life are somehow a threat and intimidatory to the women that might enter these clinics. Well, of course, uh, the truth on uh, that is, uh, Billy, that across these years um, there have been no such intimidatory tactics by the people that are pro-life. If there had been, and they have been criminal, if there had been intimidation and harassment, then our criminal rules are already there to to ensure that that wouldn't happen. Harassment's
2: so is- not legal, right? So if you were harassing somebody outside of an establishment, yeah. you would be held accountable for that.
3: That's it. That's exactly it. Yes. So yes.
2: I-, I have to ask you this because obviously, and-, and you've handled this case, you're well acquainted with it, but Isabel Vaughn Spruce arrested twice for silently praying and, yes. you know, the, the pro-choice side will say, oh, no, 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 she wasn't arrested for praying silently. She was arrested for violating the buffer zone. But the reality was, based on the videos that we've seen, it appears she was simply praying silently when she was approached. So silent prayer, just to clarify this, is also a violation of these buffer zones.
3: That's absolutely right. And just to be clear with regard, with regard to the Izzy spruce case, we were involved in when she was seeking to challenge by way of judicial review, the precursor to this clause nine of the Public Order Act, which was the public spaces protection orders that were in and around the clinics in Birmingham and Bournemouth. And with Izzy, we brought a judicial review around that. It was the Alliance Defending Freedom that came in and helped her with regard to when she was uh, arrested and um, held it held up for a criminal offense. Yes. For silently praying.
2: I mean, how, so, so has this law now, the national version of this, you had these, these local regulations in in a number of cities, has this taken effect nationally?
3: Yes, it has. It has actually taken effect. And so for the first time, in this country, and I think that's where it has serious constitutional impact. And this is, in a sense, where I would like to warn uh, those of you in America to ensure that these these initially civil measures that that get placed in and around certain buildings, so in and around abortion clinics, then um, take on a quasi criminal force. Um, there's also The political pressure that's applied around them, and then very quickly, as we can see, when certain bills go go before Parliament or local legislators, it's very then very then really then quite easy to slip in an amendment which says there needs to be the protection of women in and around these spaces. And what becomes the protest? I mean, this is if I actually read the words of the. Um, of the act itself for the purposes of subsection one. So it's illegal to interfere with, which means to seek to influence, to persistently, continuously or repeatedly occupy, to impede, to advise or persuade or attempt to advise or persuade. So can we imagine that? So just even to advise or to attempt to advise.
2: You can hear more of what Andrea Williams had to say over on the CBN News Channel and at faithwire.com.
0: All right, Billy, appreciate that conversation there. I mean, we're starting to see some of the things that we normally see in the UK and Canada, we're starting to see happen here. So I think it's important for us to keep it, not only be praying for Christians over there and how we can help them, but to be aware that these things are also coming here.
2: You know, being prayerful. I think Trey, you said that earlier. Intentionally praying for all the people facing these things in the UK, even you know they've yep. got the obviously we had that on the show today. So China, UK, and and our country that we would stand up for our freedoms.
0: Indeed. All right, well, we're going to have time here for uh, one last thing on the podcast today.
1: Yeah. So along those lines, you know, about persecution since that's kind of been a topic today we're gonna look at Ephesians 6 19 and 20 it says pray also for me that whenever I speak words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should
0: amen to that I don't I don't have anything to add that's just given everything we're talking about absolutely we should all be praying for that we're gonna probably all need at some point that courage we're gonna face it all of us are All right, it's a good spot to leave it on the podcast today. As always, Lord willing, and that creek don't rise, we shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. We will see you then.